from downtown Milwaukee, welcome to Money Talk with Bob Landis. Each week, professional advisors from Landis and Company Investments discuss the latest financial developments, offering timely insight and long-term perspective. This is Money Talk for Friday, August 4th, 2023. Checking the calendar, the Pittsburgh Pirates are in town for the weekend, followed by the Colorado Rockies. The Wisconsin State Fair continues its run for 10 more days, and August 4th has a boatload of things to celebrate. First and foremost, it's Single Moms Day. It's also International Beer Day and White Wine Day. So let's take the moms out for an imported beer and a white wine spritzer. <laughs> or both, even. <laughs> and then to top it all off, it's National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day. What a great day. <laughs> now you can hire celebrities to voice your special occasion messages, like, happy birthday to your significant other, or, hey, we're having a baby, or, woohoo, I'm single again, <laughs> or take this job and shove it, or, woohoo, I'm single again. <laughs> Did I already mention that? <laughs> Some of the available voice actors are Brian Cox from the HBO hit Succession, rocker Melissa Etheridge, one-hit wonder Kenny G, or Sean Spicer, former White House press secretary. Their prices range from $1 to $2,000 per message. For you bargain hunters, I think Sean Spicer is a buck. <laughs> Remember the movie Cocaine Bear? Well, there might be a sequel called Cocaine Shark. It turns out international drug smugglers dump bales of cocaine into the ocean to then be scooped up by the local drug smugglers. Well, sharks have figured that out and are intercepting the bales of coke before the locals can get it out of the ocean. Can't you just wait for the next Shark Week on Discovery Channel? <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to eating, China is turning into the Wisconsin State Fair. In the province of Sichuan, in a restaurant with this deal, they have this deal. If you can choke down 100 Asian dumplings in one sitting, the meal is free and you'll be crowned the king of the Big Stomach Challenge. I dare a Chinese restaurant to try that at the State Fair. They'd, they'd lose their shirts. <laughs> and finally, this week's headline tells the whole story, so no need to read on. Trader Joe's unexpected broccoli cheddar soup may contain insects. I don't think I need to know any more than that. On the podcast today, we have Art Rothschild, Steve Giles, Joel Dreesing, and wrapping up the week, here's Kyle Tedding. Well, thanks, Max. A bit of an up-and-down day Friday to wrap what was a, a little bit of a tougher week than what we've seen lately, the NASDAQ down 2.8%, uh, potentially a reminder that what can go up quick can come back down quick, the S&P 500 down 2.3%, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average down one1 For the year, the NASDAQ still up 33.5%, including dividends, the S&P 500 still up 177 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average after closing today at 35,067, still up 7.2% for the year. You know, our, uh, a big headline this week, seemingly enough to kind of shake investors a little bit. I think the, the bark may be bigger than the ultimate bite here with the news from Fitch that they've downgraded U.S. government debt uh, from its highest possible rating of AAA down to AA+. Plus. In plain English, it just means that Fitch thinks the U.S. is a little bit less creditworthy. Uh, I think maybe the, the correct response there is, well, duh. Um, when you consider politicians that were willing to hold us hostage for months uh, over a debt ceiling conversation, when you consider the amount of debt that is being rolled over currently, 
uh, you know, no wonder that maybe some people might uh, look a little differently at the U.S. government, and yet, um, you know, doesn't really seem like there was anything new in this report, and still stocks stock sold off. Yeah, it's shocking it took over 10 years for a second downgrade. Uh, this happened, I think, back in 2011, uh, when we were held up by Congress and the then-president, uh, or whoever did it, um, and eventually got out of that mess with stocks down about 19 percent uh, before it ended. Um, I, I think the message from Fitch, loud and clear, is that we aren't as stable as we used to be, and events like that could easily happen again, could have just happened, and again are more likely in the future. But the bigger concern, as you just alluded to, is the, the magnitude of the debt. Um, with interest rates going higher, debt service is going to cost uh, the government more. Uh, either we're going to have to raise taxes to pay for it, or the economy is going to have to grow enough so that the taxes at current rates are going to cover it. So I think this suggests that perhaps there's more uncertainty in the future with respect to where inflation might be beyond this current uh, bout that we're dealing with, uh, where interest rates are going to be, what the yield curve is going to look like long term. So, and you've, you've mentioned that as well. And with the yield on the 10-year finally going back over 4%, I mean, the question is, well, where should it end up and when? Um, so with stocks going down a little bit this week, bonds going up a little bit this week, um, that suggests that it's nothing more than a symbol that there's something we should be thinking about and concerned about, but it's not a disaster in the making. And no shortage of great quotes out there. Warren Buffett talking about how he's still buying treasuries for Berkshire, uh, traders on the floor talking about how uh, the, the people at Fitch are not serious people if they really believe that this is what <laughs> we should be doing. Uh, and phrases being thrown around like bizarre and inept. And, <laughs> you know, you, you look at that and go, well, okay, but hang on. Let's talk about technically what really happened here and talk about cre credit ratings at the foundation. AA is still a very high credit rating. It's still what we call investment grade, high quality. It isn't, uh, well, tomorrow the U.S. government's going to default on their debt. It's just a reminder, like like you said, that there's maybe a little more we need to pay attention to. And so, you know, Steve, perhaps the sell-off we saw this week is more just investors looking to take advantage of some of the gains that are already out there. I know that's something that we've talked about here, regardless of what the headline is. This is an opportunity to really think about your allocation and make sure that you're prepared for what comes next. Yeah, after 13 straight up days on the Dow, I think investors were just looking for an excuse to take some winners off the table, Kyle. And I might add that Fitch isn't the only rating agency out there. Uh, there are a number of others, and uh, none of them flinched uh, with respect to our, our debt rating. So again, this might just be a non-starter longer term. Uh, it is also a reminder, though, that there are things out there that we just can't control, and we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, balance is important. Uh, balance is going to be what gets you through periods of uncertainty. And another reminder this week with the market selling off, uh, I'm so glad I got bonds in my portfolio. And Art, we're in the middle of earnings season. You know, there's more headlines than just what Fitch is, is throwing out there. And we got good headlines today from some major players in the market. Um, you know, I think more of the reminder of what Steve's talking about that, you know, it isn't, it isn't just the one thing or the other, but there's some good news out there beyond simply what Fitch is saying might be uh, a little bit tougher situation for U.S. government debt. Yeah, and as you've talked about, I think that the, the issues the past couple of years have been, when are we going to have a recession? 
But as you've so frequently pointed out, well, we're already having, as you've suggested, an earnings recession. And this quarter could have marked the end of that earnings recession. The analysts are forecasting uh, less of a decline in earnings, maybe positive earnings, you know, in the third and fourth quarters, I believe. And then next year, we're looking forward to maybe 10% gains. I forget what they're showing, 10, 12, whatever it is. And so the market as a leading indicator is telling us that things might be looking pretty good ahead. But back to the earnings reports. Uh, Amazon came up with a you know, stellar uh, report. Apple was hurt a little bit. They, I think, had three straight quarters of declining revenue, perhaps, or profits, one or the other, or both. Um, so there's enough reasons to question whether we should be paying as much as we're paying for the handful of stocks that's driven the NASDAQ to this 30-whatever uh, percent gain we're at for the year, 33 percent. And as you alluded to before or referenced, um, or Steve might have mentioned, I mean, we're down 2.8% on the NASDAQ this week, only 1% on the Dow. It took forever for the Dow to start moving a little bit. Um, and that's why we spread it around. That's why we, diver we diversify. That's why we have value stocks as well as uh, growth stocks. So the other thing, you, you, you'd probably comment on uh, earnings reports. Earnings have come in better than anticipated. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, I feel pretty good about the week despite the losses. Yeah, we're 85% roughly of the way through second quarter earnings season. Um, you know, by the next two weeks, basically the only few people that will be left are the stragglers uh, that don't report in kind of the bulk. And by September, we're into uh, an, a market devoid of earnings news, devoid of corporate announcements. And what's left is economic data. What's left is, you know, the one-offs like we had this week from Fitch where – we're going to be taken by surprise. It's why September can sometimes be a rougher month, um, because you don't have meaningful earnings information. But as we look ahead, maybe to uh, some of the other pieces of information that are out there, Joel, we had a jobs report this week that, and I feel like I repeat myself every week, it's painting a picture that's more or less the same, slower, but still strong enough. Yeah, a couple of the words that I saw in reports on, on the jobs report today were steady and sturdy. You know, we've, we've got an economy that's that's pretty strong. I follow uh, one economist who I uh, heard him interviewed on the radio today, and he said that this is the best economy that he can remember for 30 years. Um, you know, and that, that's kind of made me sit up. I, you know, you don't think that. And actually, the interviewer said, well, how come people don't feel that? And he said, you know, uh, a lot of times people don't, don't feel actually what what the economy's you know doing and and um, but we're seeing that in some of the uh, consumer sentiment consumer confidence reports that we're we're looking at that that actually people are feeling better and today's numbers on on the jobs report were you know 187,000 jobs it's uh, that's below what it's been for the last 12 months which was 312,000 but it's still respectable it's still a pretty good gain. It's 31 months in a row that employers have been adding jobs. Um, the unemployment rate was three and a half percent. It's, you know, within striking distance of the lowest rate since 1969. So things were looking pretty steady there. Although I'm also seeing signs of, of slowing. We had a number of reports this week that, that touched on um, employment. And what it looks like is that um, Employers aren't as keen on hiring right now, but they're also leery of letting people go. They're afraid that if they let somebody go, 
they're going to risk not being able to fill that job when business gets better, and, and which suggests that they're anticipating business getting better. You're seeing that, Joel, in the temporary hires and the contract workers. They're the ones that are not getting um, uh, re-upped with their contracts. That's right. Six months in a row, that number has gone down. They've lost 205,000 um, temporary help jobs in the country in, uh, since uh, in the last 15 months. And that's usually a harbinger, a, a bellwether of what else is going to be happening in, in hiring. So maybe this number is going to keep going down. Well, there are, other, there are other signs, too, of the economy slowing. When you dig under these numbers and you notice that uh, we had construction uh, jobs go up, but there was a loss in residential construction, but overall non-residential saw an increase, perhaps higher mortgage rates are having an impact in some areas uh, of housing, uh, but on a whole, uh, people can still find work swinging a hammer in non-residential. Right. Yeah, and, and another sign was that um, in this latest jobs report, the, the number of hours worked went down, the, the work week average went down, and we had that also in the, the productivity report that came out earlier in the week, and that looked at the first quarter, and it was the first quarter in a while that, that we actually had the, the number of hours worked uh, go down. You know, I think that productivity report is always something that interests me because one of the ways you grow your economy, maybe the most important way we're going to grow our economy, given that we're not getting it from population anymore, uh, we're not getting it from increasing the population of workers, uh, is through productivity. And so, you know, some mixed bag from that productivity report and that productivity was up, but it was up in part because we did more, but we did it with less hours. And I think maybe that's corporations unwilling to pay for that little bit of extra overtime, unwilling to uh, hire that extra worker to put those extra uh, hours on a project, but still finding ways to get the job done through increased automation, robotics, even now in increasingly finding ways to use artificial intelligence uh, to, to tackle some jobs that you know are kind of low-hanging fruit. And so I think those are the productivity gains long-term that you hope for. It's going to come at the expense sometimes of hours worked. Um, and, and so, you know, the story isn't entirely well. It's a 3.5% unemployment rate. It's Yes, those productivity reports are fascinating, but they're really hard to read as to what is really going on right now or the, the three months that it's measuring. Um, you know, one of the other numbers that came out this week is we had construction spending numbers. Um, construction spending in manufacturing has gone up 80% in the last year. So we know that the government has, you know, been investing in in uh, manufacturing. We know that, um, you know, businesses are investing, as you put, Kyle, in, into artificial intelligence and other technologies to help make them um, be more productive without um, having to, you know, the, the luxury of hiring more workers. So, um, you know, those are sorts of things that, um, in the longer run, and maybe not that long of a run, but in the longer run, run should pay off. You know, I think all of this continues to tell the story of what so far has been a softer landing. Um, if, if a landing at all, you've got now increasingly banks and analysts and economists piling on to the soft landing story. And so one caution is the more people subscribe to an idea, the higher the cost of that idea being wrong. Uh, and so uh, I, I, I guess the caution now, and Steve, you do such a good job of reminding us of this, the caution is getting too optimistic uh, at a time when 
you know, we've already been rewarded for that optimism. I have so many clients that are thrilled their money market is paying up near 5%. Uh, and, and this idea that for the last decade yields have been so low that finally there's another uh, player in the game. Uh, I, I often wonder if the huge run-up in the stock market had something to do with such low yields that nobody wanted to hang out in the bank and maybe the market's got a bit ahead of themselves because nobody wanted money in cash. Well, now that there's another competitive option, uh, fixed income, uh, this is how it's supposed to work. You want to get the longer-term returns in stocks. You want that 7, 8, 9, 10%. You have to put up with the volatility. If you don't want that volatility, hang out in bonds. Get your four and five and call it a day. No, I think that's such a great point. And, you know, we talk to clients all day, every day about cash for the first time uh, over the last six months or a year, for the first time in probably the last 15, and the benefits of cash. And so, um, you know, I tell every client in my office, if you're sitting on piles of cash at the bank and your savings account's only paying you 0.01, as so many of the large national banks are paying, um, you know, there's better options out there, whether it's just moving to a CD if you can tie it up or just moving it to a money market where you can get a lot more. So um, I think a great reminder that um, the alternatives for safety are a lot better than they ever have been. Yeah. And there are options that are needed to, to build that balanced portfolio. Uh, you can't build a balanced portfolio unless the options are uh, fair. You, you want to get paid more in stocks, you have to put up with the volatility. If you are going to hang out in bonds, you'll get a little bit less. And if you sit in cash in the bank, you shouldn't get anything. Yeah, being compensated for the risks we take, right? And so I think that's the key is we're at a point now where we finally are. I think that's an encouraging sign for investors. Uh, and I think, you know, going forward, it gives us the options we need to make sure that we're properly diversified. With that, we enjoy doing the program for you. We will talk to you again next week. Thank you for listening to Money Talk with Bob Landis. If you have a financial question you want answered on next week's show, email it to moneytalkatlandis.com. To keep informed throughout the week, visit our Money Talk page at landis.com. <laughs>